welcome to The Conversation. I'm Heil Russell. And I'm Joe Mudd. Hello. Joe? Joseph? Mudd. Joseph Not Joseph. Mudd. Not Joseph. Not Joe, Joseph, no. Joe Mudziff. How have yes. you been? Oh my very, God. Yes, very good. Um, it has been a roller coaster since 2018, um, but mostly good. The bad stuff was pretty much bad for the rest of the world as well. How was your pandemic? <laughs> oh, horrible. Terrifying. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here in good health. It's It's been a while. Ladies and gentlemen, mm. for those of you who are unaware, this is conversation legend Joe Mudd, who, who carried the back half of season two on his back. Oh, uh, I... I- I don't want to listen to those days. I'm too embarrassed to the person I was back then. Yeah, I, I I have a sliding like time scale where I can only go back and at this point listen to maybe season seven. Uh, season seven's <laughs> my cutoff point, and then after that, it's just no, <laughs> no, I'm not that person anymore. <laughs> and uh, I can't wait to see which seasons are unlistenable to me uh, in the years to come. But mm. no, it's great to have you here. I I think you're. Shining moment was the Donkey Kong Land 2 spotlight episode, which uh. <laughs> which was just, please nobody, due to my impish editing choices, but <laughs> I, I'm so glad we could have you back. I've been wanting to do this for a while. It's just, it's tough. It's tough coordinating a time for you and Matt, uh, especially, mm. to, to record since there is a five hour time difference between us. It's always a challenge to figure out a time that works, and then it seems like when times do work, then something comes up. So, glad mm-hmm. you're finally here. We will finally be discussing Ukulele and the Impossible Layer today. Uh, I, Joe, I'm going to get your thoughts on the entire game. But awesome. spe- specifically, we are going to go up to the very end of the game. The last bit we haven't discussed on the conversation, including the impossible layer itself and (laughs) the ending. So if Mm. you've not played ukulele in the impossible layer, or if you not finished it yet, because I realized that impossible layer is pretty hard. If if you haven't done it, understatement. Yeah. yeah. So if, if you haven't done that and you don't want to be spoiled, this is your warning. There will be spoilers on this episode. So uh, you, you can bug out now if you want. I won't have any hard feelings. But you will miss our shameless plugging. Check out DK Vine on Twitter. DKVine.com forward slash Twitter. Twitter.com forward slash DK Vine. I'm tweeting my twat every day on Twitter. Tweeting about Donkey Kong, Banjo, Conker, Dinosaur Planet, uh, and yes, ukulele as well. The entire DKU at my fingertips. Sometimes I give insights, sometimes I just post nonsense. But uh, if, if you want some joy in your Twitter feed, check that out. But hey, I'm not the only social media manager for DK Vine in the house today. Joe, tell us about oh, I, Instagram. I mean, let's... Let's make it clear. It's Jolly that runs the Instagram. I just help out. You can tell which posts are his because they start with the word ooh, and which posts are mine because they do not start with the word ooh. Yeah, you, you don't have that much joy in, in, your, uh, in your body to elicit an ooh every time you're getting ready to talk. No, of course, Jolly Roger, the mm. totally real character from off of Banjo-Tooie and subsequent games, is 
running the Instagram. Uh, Joe, you just supervise because yeah, we don't know what um, Crazy Frog will get up to, so we have to have an editor. He has been a bit busy, especially this year. Um, he hasn't posted as much as he used to. And he is semi-sorry about it, but semi-just like, yeah. You know, there's only so much you can do with this premise. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, when you're a mayor and you, you run a tavern and you're a professional thief uh, or, or whatever, mm. uh, you know, it, it's hard to also run it's, an Instagram page. I don't think he's ever actually mentioned that he's the mayor because it's just, uh, just well, he hasn't been able to come up with anything funny about the concept. It's just a weird throwaway line in the game, really, isn't it? That yeah. it just never comes up again. Yeah. So... Anyway, uh, is, there, is there anything you'd like to say about the content you can expect on the Instagram? Should you subscribe? Um, minimal. Whenever <laughs> 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 um, a funny idea pops into my Jolly's head, Jolly's, yes. he will post it. Yeah, but don't expect weekly posts. Just expect whenever he can come up with something funny, he will post. And, and sometimes that- I'll get in there as well. And that's at dkvine.com forward slash Instagram or Instagram.com forward slash pay attention. Dkvine <laughs> underscore official. The official one, not not the unofficial one. No, no. I think we need to give infected toe and peroxide its own um, Instagram at this point as well. <laughs> you know, I was thinking the other day, because uh, people still get snared by that delightful little landmine that we, we laid out all those years ago. Uh, I, I was thinking it's time we, uh, we we might retire infected tone peroxide or, or maybe give it a new address that's harder to stumble across, but have a new trap. Uh, something, <laughs> something for the modern age. Maybe uh, wiggling sexy toes and bananas. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I'm open to suggestions, but I've got a, I've got a camera. I've got a whole lot of bananas and I've got some pretty sexy toes, uh, that are <laughs> probably in need of a, of a pedicure. So, uh, maybe I'll... We do need to appeal to the foot fetishists, you know, that's a demographic we haven't quite snared yet on DK Vine, isn't it? But it, it's so huge. And I, I really feel like that could really be what puts us over the top or, uh, I guess under the foot. We, we will... <laughs> Uh, grow our audience by any means necessary so long as it stays within good taste uh, and and doesn't, you know... I, I don't want, like, white nationalists coming into DK Vine. <laughs> Fuck you all. But... Yeah, that's where we draw the line. <laughs> yeah, but uh, foot fetishes, sure. The more the merrier. Also, yeah. uh, so... Joe, as you know, DK Vine has never really been about giving out gameplay tips or tricks. We don't mm. do it. We're more interested in world building and, and characters and story to care about such small things as playing the games well. It's irrelevant. Mm. So if you're wondering, for example, how to get around the Feasty Boys, the hungry sharks seen in the beach area of Ukulele and the Impossible Layers Overworld, then I don't have any serious answers for you. But have you considered... <laughs> tossing them a nice cold land shark island style lager that's right Ooh. land shark it's the coolest most refreshing liquid this side of infinity ink and it will surely rewrite your reality to be one of constant parties and fun and sun in the surf land shark island style lager if i'm plugging it jimmy buffett must be paying me and if i'm taking <laughs> jimmy buffett's money 
You know I must think it's good. Mmm. Mmm. Oh, yeah. That's... That's that's a beverage. <clears throat> so, Joe! Are we on the, dr- we on the drinks now? I might as well crack one open then. I, I mean, I, uh, it's, it's, it's my promotional obligations, and I don't care that we're <laughs> recording this 11.15 in the morning my time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's yes. five o'clock somewhere, as Jimmy Buffett said once. <laughs> my logic is, if there's still some of my first drink left by five, then technically, I haven't broken the law. I guess the rule, it, rather. I guess it, I so guess it's four fifteen here. Yeah, so I guess it's five o'clock in France. So mm. if uh, I nurse this one for forty-five minutes, then it's fine. <laughs> Joe, ukulele and impossible lair. It's been a while since we've discussed it in full. Oh man, I still got yeah. that. I still got that land shark island style lager in my throat. Hold on. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I feel them. Um, it's a lucky coincidence. I um just decided to replay it recently on a whim, and I've just finished it again. Um, yeah. I yeah. just want to ask the bur- the big burning question: Have you done the impossible lair without using any bees? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. no, no, no. <laughs> See, Matt can't can't even do it with the bees. (laughs) I've managed it with the bees twice. But I've done over 200 attempts at the impossible there. Oh, my God. And I've got 44% of the way through. No. um, So uh, before before we really get into it, I want to say, since it has been a while since we've done an episode, if you, the listener, would like to catch up on our past ukulele and the impossible layer discussion... Be sure to listen to episodes mini number 10. That was where we gave our first impressions. Episode 727 and episode 803. And that will take you up to the present, this episode, where Joe and I will be discussing... uh, Well, we'll we'll be discussing the whole game, but we're also going to be discussing in particular the beach area... The uh, final zone uh, up above Trousers Place, and of course the impossible layer and the ending. And Joe, I was actually waiting to do this with you. Uh, oh, like uh, a while. Like uh, I don't know if you even remember, but we were breaking down who was going to be on what episode for the impossible layer, and eventually it was decided that oh yeah, Joe, uh, J- Joe's been playing it. Joe, you know, will be on the end, the end of the game, like. Impossible ah. layer, and uh, we were just That's... trying to figure out a time that worked, and then the pandemic happened, and it just felt like all of the plans just went into disarray, and we went into this weird survival mode. And mm. um, long story short, here we are, finally, th- almost three years after the game has come out, finally discussing the end. But I feel like this is good because the impossible layer is so hard that it's given people enough time to beat it and it may have taken three years i moved house two years ago uh my now flatmate and i both had to escape from our difficult living situations Uh and i casually mentioned oh i'm getting a new microphone i'm gonna be on a podcast again soon and for the past two years he's asked me over and over again when are you doing your podcast when are you doing the (laughs) eventually had to say to him i'll tell you when we're doing the podcast (laughs) i don't know ask me back on yet but they keep telling me that they will so now i know why because you're waiting to for the end you know save the best for last yeah no joe you are the climax you you are the raging climax <laughs> of impossible lair so congratulations there oh, uh, thank you 
it's a joke. But yeah, just to clarify, I haven't actually listened to any of the other episodes you mentioned oh. either. So if I repeat any of the same points you've already made before, I do apologize. You know, if, if it's been long enough that I feel like at this point it's almost nostalgia. So it, it's not really repeating. <laughs> it's more celebrating the past. Oh, good. Yeah. So, Joe, overall, I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on the game. Before we get into the specifics that are required of us, what mm. like what are your thoughts on Ukulele and Possible Lair? Because this is a game that seems to have grabbed you. Yeah, well, it's funny. When I, I replayed the original Ukulele as well recently, it was right after playing Banjo-Kazooie on Nintendo 64 Switch. I was like, yeah, this is great. And then I played Ukulele. I was like, ah, this isn't quite as good in some ways uh, but it's better in some ways it's not yeah. quite as great as i remember and then i thought i might as well crack on to impossible lair then and i thought i don't know i don't i don't know if i'm gonna enjoy it that much but it's actually just really really good i've been hooked on it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean that, i think that's everybody's you know just blunt impression uh especially with the original ukulele that Oh, you know, the mm. original ukulele, it isn't like this disaster that a lot of people make it out to be. It's actually nah. quite fun, and in some ways it does improve on the Banjo-Kazooie formula. I've been mm. replaying Banjo-Kazooie through my DK Vine Done Slow Twitch series. Yeah. And, you know, the, it, it's kind of hard to go from ukulele to Banjo-Kazooie because in some ways Banjo-Kazooie is a little clunkier because it's a game yeah. from 1998 and ukulele is from 2017. Ukulele is a lot crisper. There's a lo- lot of ideas that uh just simplify banjo consolidate some of the you know i guess smooth out the rough edges and um that but i I still think banjo kazooie is structured better it's it's designed better ukulele has almost too many cooks in the kitchen um, Mm. too many ideas thrown into the pot but uh, yeah. That's not that's not to say that ukulele isn't worth anybody's time. Um, it definitely is, especially if you are a fan of the genre or if you're an old school rare fan. But ukulele and impossible lair, as we'll be talking many times throughout this episode, elevates the 2D platformer formula in a way that I don't think a lot of people were expecting. I, I'm not saying it does anything revolutionary, although it, it maybe it does with the overworld, but. It's, it's and also just, the impossible layer itself, I think, is quite a nice novel concept. It is. It is. It, it's. It's almost. So. So the era we celebrate on DK Vine is of Donkey Kong Country, that trilogy into the N sixty four era. I mean, that's mm. really the foundational, like, holy, like, seven to eight years uh, of like what what we're all about and. I feel like the people at Platonic, the founders at Platonic, who came from Rare, mm. you know, th- growing up, they liked games even older than that. Like, it's their games we celebrate, but, you know, they became fans of gaming because of games that are much older and much harder than that. And I feel like the Impossible Layer itself almost harkens back to... Uh, when games were just brutal and unforgiving. Mm-hmm. And in fact, they had to patch the game to make the impossible layer a bit more forgiving. So, <laughs> um, but you're right. I, th- I think the impossible layer itself is, is pretty novel. I, I could go on and on about the overworld itself. It being sort of this evolution of a couple different things, the super Mario world overworld, the Donkey Kong mm-hmm. country three overworld. It, feels like and i've said this before and i will keep saying it until i'm in the ground and then i'll come and haunt you and i'll say it some more (laughs) 
it and I'm probably going to be cremated, but you know, whatever they do with my ashes, you know, I, I don't know. I'll, my ashes will possess you and then you'll still hear it. <laughs> I, I really do feel like impossible layer is the rare version of donkey Kong country four that we never got. Um, and I say yeah. rare in a broad sense because I know like not everybody of rare went to platonic and I know that, <laughs> uh, not everybody at platonic came from rare. Uh, there's a lot of younger uh, staff there, but. And we know that they wanted to make country four since the DS day. So it could be a lot of ideas they've had cooking since back then. Yeah. It, but it, it does feel like what I always thought of for a Donkey Kong country four hypothetical Donkey Kong country four. I was like, well, I want, I, I wanted to take the best bits from DKC three. I don't want it to mm-hmm. go backwards. Right. And I, I, I don't want it to be like a new super Mario brothers situation where it just goes back to the original and, and oh, it kind yeah. of just discards the evolutions that happen through Super Mario World. To an extent, Donkey Kong Country Returns did that. Uh, I think Tropical Freeze built on mm-hmm. it a little bit more. But uh, Impossible Layer really does feel like, okay, what if a year later Rare made uh, Donkey Kong Country 4 for the N64? What would that look like? And I feel like it would look like this. Yeah, yeah. I like that... Um, uh... What's the word? I'm trying. I like that um, way of looking at things. Um, I don't like when people go a little too far with it and be like, oh, Returns and Tropical Freeze don't count anymore. They're shit compared to this game. So, yeah, those games are still good. This game's good, too. We can love all six of them, as far as I'm concerned. We're, we're, yeah, we'll, we'll get into the grand philosophical question of Tropical Freeze or Impossible Layer, I think, at the <laughs> end of the episode, because I feel like we have, we have to kind of finish talking about it first. But... Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I just want to say, like, I'm not turning this into a Platonic versus Retro Studios thing. I love both. I think mm. there's room in my heart for both. I would hope there's yeah. room in your heart for both out there in podcast listening land. So, you know, th- that's not what this is about. I, I nah. think you can celebrate Ukulele Impossible Layer without tearing down Tropical Freeze. You can even say stuff that you think Impossible Layer does better than Tropical Freeze without it meaning... I hate Tropical Freeze. That's not what yeah, this is yeah. about. And remember, this game was also inspired by Tropical Freeze, wasn't it? I believe people that played played Tropical Freeze and liked it and incorporated elements of that into this they, during they, production. I think they claim it wasn't, but it's clear that it was. <laughs> <You know? laughs> There's no getting around that there are some elements. There's some little trace amounts of DNA in mm. from, from Tropical Freeze in Impossible Layer. So, yeah, I, I mean, and I, I think... Especially things like um, the 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 twit coins. It, it feels. Mm. I mean, I guess in some ways that's kind of a Yoshi's Island thing, but it, it feels like the equivalent of Tropical Freeze's puzzle pieces. You know. You, oh yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know, but but I really like everything they've done with it. The the elements that come from the evolution of the Duncan Country trilogy, the elements that may have been borrowed from Tropical Freeze, the stuff that comes from outside Donkey Kong in general, like the Super Mario World influence, and mm. the clear pedigree of the top-down games that uh, Rare made in the past, like Conker's Pocket Tales and Grunty's Revenge that are so yeah. readily apparent in the overworld. Th- there's just a lot in this game that I like. And it's just mm-hmm. amazing to me how it all hangs together in a brilliant, breathtaking, revolutionary package. And I would say that even if I wasn't a B in the game, 
I, <laughs> once again, I have to be upfront and say, yes, there is a B character in the game that <laughs> is named after me. I, I wish I hadn't missed out on that. I wish I could have been in there as Joe Buzzed. <laughs> There's already Joe the B in the game. So we could yeah, just pretend, pretend that was me. We could just pretend it's you. Yeah, because Cameron's, yeah. Cameron's got one. Uh, Jeff's got hmm. one. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pretend one in, one in there is for uh, Joe Mudd. It's fine. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I was trying to think what your B pun would be. Yeah, and I, Joe Buzzed. Joe Buzzed. Okay. Yeah. You've yeah, that's simple. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's funny. I would say, like, yeah, the game on my second playthrough, like, it's funny that the things I remember being really annoyed by on the first playthrough just didn't seem like that big a deal. Like the the big nag I had for this game was doors. It's like, tell me if I can come back through the door or not. So I'm not terrified of going through it yeah. because if I go through the door and I can't go back, I'm going to have to restart the whole level to find out what was the other way, you know? Yeah. And then it's like, sometimes the, the, the bars will come down. It's like, no, just have the bars there in the first place. So I know I can't go through it. Don't waste my time. <laughs> I just think if they did another one, they just need to like color code the doors so I know if I can come back through it or not later. Right. Now, granted, the the, the levels themselves are uh, short enough where if I screw something up, it's it's not a you know the end of the world if I have to replay it. So mm-hmm. you know, I I that never bothered me so much, but I I do definitely get your door phobia because I'm I'm always one who has <laughs> to like explore every nook and cranny, and I'm afraid I'm gonna go past a point where I can't get back, and mm-hmm. and uh, so I I have to like really analyze the screen before i i make the plunge going through a door or not but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah apart from that it's a pretty good game apart from the doors it's yeah, fine <laughs> yeah yeah i guess there are elements here or there where if they did a sequel you they could definitely uh improve on the clarity a little bit for a first attempt at a 2d platformer under their studio oh my god like right mm. out of the gate just an instant Brilliant it was two years classic. after they made the first one as well. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and you know, when when you look at, I mean, granted, you know, people like Chris Sutherland have had a lot of experience with two D platformers in the past, but he hasn't done one since what Donkey Kong Country two, and mm. so he can impart the wisdom, you know, from at that point, what twenty four years in the past, but. The fact that they were able to turn out something such high quality is usually a lot of times they'll release a game that's pretty good. They being whoever, you know, a studio will release Mm. a game that's pretty good. It's the sequel that is just stellar, extraordinary, because they've learned from their mistakes. They fine-tuned it. They tweaked it. I mean, this is what Rare did when you look at Donkey Kong Country 2. I know some people might Mm. argue it, but... It's widely held that Donkey Kong Country 2 is the best one of the original yeah. three. And part of that is because the team made Donkey Kong Country. They learned from their mistakes and they were able to make something that was near flawless. So hmm. they did that without having a first one. So imagine what they could do for a sequel. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the sequels to both this and to Vanilla Ukulele as well. I think they were dumb. If they did, say, two Kaleli and it was a 3D platformer, I think they would iron out all of the flaws of the first one and just deliver something perfect. And if they did a sequel to this one, they wouldn't really have to change much and it would still be great, I think. Yeah, yeah. But it's also really impressive. You consider, like, the whole selling point of ukulele was, look, it's a 3D platformer. We don't get those anymore. To, to, to then go, all right, here's a 2D platformer. We know they're, like, a dime a dozen at the moment and still deliver something that stands out above most other 2D platformers is very impressive, I think. Yeah, it's, it's a shame that 
you know, ukulele got all of the hype and the press that it did. And this game kind of went under the radar a little bit, probably because mm-hmm. there have been so many 2D platformers and also because there was a lot of brand confusion when this game came out. A lot of people thought it was just DLC for the original ukulele. And yeah. it, it, I don't think it was promoted that great. And this is just me speaking as mm-hmm. me. I'm not speaking for anybody here, but I, I feel like Team 17 didn't really do a great job at plugging this game. <laughs> and... nah, that's a shame. Also, I feel like a lot of these, do we even get all of the stretch goals of the original ukulele at this point? Or is there still like that? Watch that. Corp, I can't remember corplets, the little robots that says it's at ninety nine percent. Is that well, still the case? Well, that that uh, that corplet um, security bot uh, inept from the uh, toy box uh, that that isn't part of the stretch goal. We don't know what he's counting up to. So, oh, okay. uh, we got all the stretch goals. Everything was fulfilled there for the Kickstarter. But yeah, that that is the big question mark. That and the pirate treasure from Ukulele. We don't oh. know what that will entail. Uh, obviously, everybody thinks it's going to be some sort of stop and swap equivalent for Tukulele. But mm. uh, right now, it's a it's a question mark. So. <laughs> okay, I thought they never got around to doing like the orchestral soundtrack as well, or am I mistaken? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I know they finally did the the ukulele comment developer commentaries, which we did conversations about. I think that oh, was cool. one of the last ones they had to get around to. Um, they finally like improved the sixty uh, four bit mode. They actually imported yeah. the model of ukulele from Impossible Layer into the original ukulele. Yeah, to make it look more authentic, even though it still mostly looks like a PS One game with N sixty four character models running around, but whatever, you know, <laughs> close enough, close enough. Yeah, close enough. So, Joe, um, any anytime you want to uh, chime in about anything that happened earlier in the game, feel free to. This is your podcast yeah. as much as mine today, but um, okay, we we are going to press forward a little bit, and we are going to discuss. Just in broad terms, because I don't want to go level to level. What do you think about this level? And it's like, I don't really (laughs) remember that level. Uh, I would remember it if I was playing it. But, you know, because I think one of the downfalls of Impossible Layer compared to something like Tropical Freeze is that Mm. the levels do uh, artistically feel the same because they're all of the same general area. So it's Mm. not like we have huge like biome differences um like oh this is the the snow world this is the ocean world this is the lava world it's all of the royal stingdom which uh has kind of a dutch feel to it i i I don't really know um how to describe yeah i know what you mean um when we're playing it's a little um disappointed like i don't know queasy key doesn't really look like a key it's just the same as all the other levels just dutch buildings in the background or like hazard hangar it's like how is this a hangar (laughs) this just looks like all the other levels (laughs) it you know i i do like that it it tries to do something different with the same archetype i guess and the fact that you know they have a limited budget for this being an independent studio uh, they they were able to stretch something out as much as they did and still make it feel fulfilling. Uh, I I think it definitely is worthy of applause. It just makes recalling the individual levels much harder than it is in a traditional Donkey Kong Country game. So yeah, 
Uh, we're not going to go through bit by bit, but I do want to touch upon the general areas of the overworld and some of the more memorable things therein. So the beach area that you uh, you access after um, after the the fifth checkpoint or the paywall, mm. the fifth paywall, the beach area. I think this was my favorite part of the overworld. I don't I don't know what it is about it. I I like you know tropical aesthetics in general. That that's you know one of the reasons I was drawn to Donkey Kong Country back in the day. But yeah, um. I would say it's got some quite clever overworld puzzles, uh, some really unique like set pieces and like ways to get tonics and things that make you feel clever for working it out. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I also really like, and this is something that Impossible Layer does really well. the The state changes to the the levels themselves, and how you can make you know the second state change different. How it's something on the overworld mm. influencing that little grand tome portal to the level and like rewriting the reality within so like it can be as something as simple as the tide comes in the tide comes out and when the tide Hmm. um comes in that makes the level flooded and when it goes out then it's not flooded anymore but you know i i think that there's a lot of really clever stuff going on in the beach area with that and the level that really comes to mind here is the um boom was a boom bloom blast um yeah that was great fun that one just because boom blooms the plants that you fire yourself out of throughout impossible layer they are clear just uh xps for barrel cannons you know Mm. and it's obvious they're not really trying to hide it and well, fair, Kirby ripped them off first with those stupid floating cannon things. So yeah, <laughs> Kirby yeah. committed the original sin, really. Sure, sure. But I will also grant Platonic leniency here, considering many of the people on this team helped create barrel cannons. So oh yeah, it, true. It, whatever you know, whatever. <laughs> it's I like how the boom blooms feel different enough from barrel cannons, like they play different enough. But if you are a Donkey Kong Country fanatic. Uh, veteran expert whatever th- it will still feel completely natural like you're you're not going to overcompensate or get thrown for the slight variances in the way it shoots you out it still feels very much like a barrel cannon in a Duncan country game just a little bit different but not enough to trip you up i don't know how they work that balance out but it's fantastic and i love that we have an entire level dedicated to uh boom blooming I guess is the verb, but yeah, that, that sticks out in my mind in particular, just because I was like, Oh my God, it, it's just a Donkey Kong country level. Terrific. Um, <laughs> yeah. I also really like that. This establishes that there is a shore near Yuka and Laylee's home. Um, in oh yeah. Shipwreck Creek. Um, because you know, it's, it's like up in the mountains as, as we're led to believe, but if you go out on the overworld, you know, here is a beach and it seems to be, you know, uh, the ocean. Well, actually, maybe you can clear up the setting of this game because I'm a bit confused. So I've read that the entire game is set inside a book, the Royal Stingdom. Ah. Um, and it, it is, in fact, the book that Capital B and Dr. Quack were pushed into at the end of Ukulele. Is that a load of bollocks or is that true? So... Joe, okay, for for starters, have you ever seen the secret ending to the game that you can only see if... Of course, you haven't seen it. I don't think anybody's actually seen it. 
Um, so if you if you defeat the impossible layer in one go um, mm-hmm. at the very start of the game, um, and and don't do anything else, you get a secret ending, which is oh, which okay. is pretty much impossible. I mean, it's not impossible. Obviously, people have done it. But uh, thing, I think their own patch where they added the checkpoints. I think they specifically waited for someone to beat it before they did that. They wanted to see if someone in the world would actually do it before uh, they patched the game, which I thought was quite funny. But now, God, what happens? Well, no, we're, we're, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I'll say it at the end. But that kind of explains oh. a little bit of what's going on. Um, hmm. So, so there, there's two answers to this. I, yeah. I will explain it as to our understanding if you haven't seen the secret ending. Okay. So at the beginning of the game, there is the the grand tome of the royal stingdom, and mm. um Queen Queen Phoebe, she's pulling up, I think she's she's trying to get Yukonlele out or something, and yeah. she accidentally pulls out all the chapters of the book into little smaller books. And they scatter around the overworld. So every every um, level you're accessing is in the Royal Stingdom, but the overworld itself is Shipwreck Creek, and the ah, areas okay, around right. Shipwreck Creek. So it, it's basically like they found a cheat to to like keep using the Grand Tome idea from the first ukulele, but to spread it out into chapters. So. Every every level takes place within the same world, the Royal Stingdom, but the overall yeah. itself is still Shipwreck Creek and Hybrid Towers and all of that. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But the, but there's another answer to that, <laughs> which the secret ending gets into, which we will discuss at the end, near the Ooh, end okay. of the episode. And that will be heavily, you know, heavily spoiler, spoilery territory because... I know most of you listening, I, I would say all of you listening probably have never authentically accessed this secret ending. I haven't done it. Mm. I don't even know if I want to try because I feel like the true way to play the game is to do it going around through all the levels, getting all of the bees, you know, like, yeah. I think just, just trying to, like, do the impossible layer from the start and, and getting it all done uh, in one go, which I don't even know how you could do that. Uh, it's like um, Breath of the Wild. You can, in theory, just go straight to Hyrule Castle at the start. Well, not in theory. Lots of people have done it. But then you're missing out on all the game's content. And you want to play the game, don't you? You don't right. want to skip the game. Right. And, and the secret ending doesn't really, like... It, it changes your perspective on why this happened the way it happened. But it doesn't mm. fundamentally alter anything about the adventure itself. So it, it it's clever the way they did it because... You're not actually missing out on anything if you never access it, but it it is just this oh my god kind of revelation that mm. uh, might actually explain any discrepancies that we see in the game compared to the previous ukulele. Oh, okay. I'm intrigued. Can't wait to get to the end now. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't even have to get through the impossible layer in one go. <laughs> just have to get through this podcast, <laughs> which can be as trying and challenging as any of you and me. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You say that you haven't done this for four years. I, I bet, I bet, I bet in the uh, like deep weeds of season two, you were definitely feeling the fatigue, <laughs> or listening to our Donkey Kong Land two spotlight and the, uh, the rendition of Lockjaw Saga that just would was unyielding. <laughs> um. 
and and then um so so the beach area is the last regular area because once you you get through the beach area then you're right back to uh like the bridge underneath that takes you back to uh the batship crazy and and then you go north and there's queen phoebe and the hybrid towers entrance and the impossible lair but there there is another area that you can only access if you give Trouser all of the Twit coins up in his little home up in the desert region. And uh, what what actually happens is he accidentally burns down. You accidentally burn down his house, and hmm. that opens up a pathway into what's I, I I don't even know if there's an authentic name for this ukulele wiki, which doesn't seem to have been updated in several years. In effect. Uh, they also have my name misspelled on it. Um, oh, I know. Hydra spell again. It, it's actually Heil Russell with one L. So, uh, so it's not yeah similar. It's it's the most common misspelling of my name. I thought Russell was a mm. common name, but <laughs> apparently, uh, it perplexes everyone who who's encountered it. The editors of Ukulele Wiki, Greg Mails, anybody <laughs> who's ever tried writing out my name in anything. Uh, usually gets it wrong, but it's not not anything as catastrophic as Hyde Roussel for sure. No, do you know what's funny? I've got quite a few um tangent. I've got quite a few Brazilian friends at the moment, and um, I've discovered this phenomenon where apparently in Portuguese you have to pronounce all of the vowels, so they all they all have decided my name is Joey. They go hi Joey, it's Joey. Go, oh sorry Joey. That's that's eventually. Funny. Yeah, gradually, one by one, they're all learning how to say my name properly. One of them still says Joey at this point. Yeah. <laughs> all the others have come around. Yes, you know, there are a lot of DKU fans in Brazil. Uh, that That is one of yeah. the huge DKU hotspots. Yeah, so have have you uh, asked any of them if they uh, they, they enjoy Donkey Kong Country or... Band well, funny enough, one of them does actually. One of my colleagues is a huge fan of Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. And he's also a gay man like me, so that's kind of the two things we bonded on. <laughs> that's all you need. <laughs> the, the, yeah. The, 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 the two things that bring people together. <laughs> yeah, so shout out to Raphael. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, uh, yeah, God, there's a, I mean, I did say actually a lot of things have happened since 2018. Um, I did actually meet a guy who had heard of DK Vine and the conversation. Oh, my God. Um, I know, right? Yeah, Leon Fletcher of Ninty Buzz. Oh. So shout out to Leon as well. <laughs> Hello, Ninty Buzz, yes. <laughs> I've heard of Ninty yeah. Buzz, so yeah, it's it's fine. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, it's a Bournemouth Uni student who um, uh, was just trying to start like a Nintendo society and like me and like a handful of other people turned up. Sometimes just I turned up. We just sat in a cafe playing Super Mario Party or whatever. <laughs> that you know, was fun. When you say they're trying to start a Nintendo society, that makes it sound like you're trying to start a cult. <laughs> Nintendo is a cult. I mean, yeah. Paying paying uh sixty dollars for the same game you bought on the Wii U. Who would do that? Cult member. <laughs> Somebody brainwashed, right? Oh yeah, we're all brainwashed. Of course, I, I have every version of Ukulele and Impossible Layer, including for PS4, and I don't even own a PS4. Oh god. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, wouldn't wouldn't quite go that far. <laughs> It's like I need to get a PS4 at some point. I, you know, I'm a PlayStation character. My B is a PlayStation character. Is there like a Linux Linux port as well? You're not going to get it on Linux, are you? Um, there's not a Linux port for Impossible Layer. There is for the original Ukulele. Yeah, and <laughs> here, here's the thing, Joe. I don't know what Linux is. <laughs> no, I'm not really sure. I've asked around. Asking... Nobody seems to know. 
<laughs> was it a thing in like the nineties for a bit? I yeah, I thought it was like Charlie Brown's friend. I I don't, <laughs> but I do have the uh, I do have the PC version of ukulele. I have the physical PC disc for ukulele that I got with the Kickstarter um, pledge, and I'm just like, this has to be the rarest version, the rarest physical version of ukulele that there ever was because what what even is this? Like mm. you need a CD-ROM disc drive, and uh, oh wow, yeah. yeah, most laptops nowadays don't even have a CD drive, do they? No, my, my mine does because I specifically looked for one, a high-end one that does, because I still mm. have a lot of stuff on disc that I will occasionally need to access, and it just makes it easier if I can just pull it up. But anyway, we're getting <laughs> we're getting beside the point, as we do in the conversation. Welcome back, Joe. <laughs> this is just like old times. Yay, we're talking around in circles, and before we know it, twenty minutes have passed, and. We don't even remember what the topic of the episode was about. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, the the final zone, as they call it on ukulele and impossible layer. I can't verify if this is actually what it's called or where they got this information. Mm. Usually if anybody gets information, it was from Platonic or, or Daily or somebody who who just, you know, provided it. So I don't have any reason to question that it's called the final zone, but it seems like it is a big mystery because we don't know what the final zone is supposed to be. Um, it, mm. It's this weird, like, castle-like thing built into I the mean, caverns in the desert above where Trouser lives. Yeah, I would describe it as a lost world, which I suppose it sort of is. It's a bit easy for lost to unlock for lost worlds, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's definitely, like, hidden, um, and you, you can only access it if you get all the twig coins. So it does feel similar philosophy to a lost world uh or you know krematoa mm. or whatever but or lost world brackets donkey kong land 3 close brackets <laughs> right the lost world <laughs> from off of donkey kong land 3 you know the lost world not that lost world or not that lost uh, world but this lost world is the lost <laughs> world we're looking for this time you just need to recruit bear to get there <laughs> There's a there's a radio contest and and uh, Donkey and Diddy are being sexist and uh, <laughs> and K Rule ultimately wins because he gets there first. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird it's a weird plot for a Donkey Kong game and it's a plot that a lot of people think we made up and it's just like, no no that's actually the plot of the game it wasn't just DK Vine Fanon. That's actually mm, what sounds like it, doesn't it? It really it does. does sound like something. That we just... It does, it does. But that for like you can understand why our fanon developed the way it does when we were given stories like that in nineteen. Yeah, along with oh, you beat K. Rule on the SNES. Can you do it on the Game Boy? Cranky breaks K. Rule out of jail. Yes, they have a jail apparently. <laughs> right, and and the rich and powerful can be jailed, unlike our reality where they just get away with their crimes. There is K. Rule. Wait, did they have like a trial for King K. Rule? <laughs> He found guilty and locked up, and is Cranky now a criminal? Breaking him out of jail. Oh, Cranky committed treason, but you know, I, I, who's, who's, who's going to prosecute Cranky Kong? Oh, yeah, true. He's a national treasure. To be fair, I, I don't know if K. Roll is actually broken out of jail or if it was just uh, Cranky orchestrated the banana heist again with K. Roll and mm. um, like just gave him the resources to do it. But yeah. Yes, yeah, some some of our bullshit seeps in, but Donkey Kong Three, <laughs> I swear, we mostly left untouched. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I I don't know if this is supposed to be like a a Quack Corp 
uh, you know, Dr. Quack's um, company that was bought out by Hybrid Towers. I don't know if that's supposed mm. to be like his lab or like a, a secret facility he's got running on the side. Um, there's some interesting. Yeah, it's, all cu- yeah, it's all cup full of like smoke and smog and like thorns as well. Like, I mean, toxic waste. I'm, I'm just picturing it in my head now. And what I would describe it as is, yeah, just a dark, gloomy, abandoned castle, really. Yeah, there's also um, uh, like a little Easter egg. You can see uh, up in the corner of, of the overworld, there is a discarded Vendi body. Um, oh, like uh, it, it's it's a like a former Vendi or like a one of the Vendi machines of Hyrie Towers that's been thrown away, and she's dead, laying up in Ooh. the corner. Um, and like of course, Vendi is alive and well on the overworld of impossible mm. layer so it raises the question like have there been vendies before vendi and mm. and that seems to imply there is some sort of connection between hybrid towers uh or quack corp and this area itself if they're discarding their old vendi machines up here <laughs> but yeah just an old graveyard for all their old heck yeah and you know, I, I, I don't know if this is maybe the resonance of an unknown character because the secret ending, which we'll get into, uh, sets up uh, this mystery benefactor. So maybe this is their residence. We, we don't really know, but I, uh, I, I I like this area for what it was. It was kind of spooky and uh, foreboding, but just in the right ways. I like Kartos up here. Um, mm. I like the Kartos... Because I hated Kartas and ukulele. Mm, same. Um, yeah, I yeah. thought it was a great punishment. He's just trapped going round and round in circles forever. Yeah, yeah but I, I enjoyed how they like, utilized him just on the overworld here. It was, it was fun seeing him back, as it was mm. all the characters from ukulele who came back. But yeah, just, oh, here he is on the overworld, and you don't have to endure a not-so-fun minigame with him that has very confusing controls. And, uh, you know, it, I, I liked when characters came back from ukulele. It gave me the same feeling of glee as, like, in Tropical Freeze, when you you see the giant bat, like, encased in ice in the background. You're just like, yes, right. fuck you. Yes, yes. Uh, and, yeah, Mega Squeakly uh, got what they deserved, what she deserved. Mm. Although, you know, I guess she was thawed out after uh, the island was thawed at the end of the game. So yeah, she's she, she's back. But yeah, I mean, stuff like Rampo, you know, you saw him earlier in the overworld. Just, oh, here's Rampo. And here's mm-hmm. what he's been doing in the uh, two and a half years since the original ukulele. Stuff like that is, is a lot of fun. And I like yeah. I like the continuity between this and ukulele. And there didn't have to be a lot of continuity especially because they're not it's not even a direct sequel so much it's just you know here's a further adventure of ukulele in a different genre but i did like like catching up with characters including kartas so yeah it's like banjo kazooie and tui and nuts and bolts did it really well as well watching the the world progress around you watching the characters see what they're up to or meeting all of their wives and kids and stuff as well yeah and then uh grunty's revenge you got to see what happened 20 years before banjo kazooie and um get a better understanding of how that world was established by the time Mm. 1998 and 2000 rolled around so yeah i mean um continuity has never been like this team like the the veterans from rare 
it, it's never been uh, a hurdle for them. They've always handled it very well and in a very yeah. fun way. And they reward fans for paying attention. Mm. So uh, yeah, one thing I noticed with this game, a uh, running thing with the overworld characters is that Yuka and Laylee are not very heroic on the overworld. They screw over quite a lot of people and I felt quite guilty for some of the characters. Yeah. I, so I, like, we destroy Ollie the trolley's house. So there it was a sand castle. <laughs> But still, he had a 57-year mortgage on him. It, it, it is sort of the trope of Banjo and Kazooie just sort of bumbling around looking for jiggies and sometimes causing more damage than they are helping people. Um, mm. Especially in Banjo-Tooie. I, I feel like that was a lot like the running joke in Banjo-Tooie where, oh, they just like murdered the Ice Cube family and... You know, they're they're not they're not like they're 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 heroes in the like overarching sense, but in their just little quieter interactions on the day to day basis, eh, you know, it's question <laughs> it's questionable some of the stuff they do. I do think yeah. Luke and Laylee in this game uh, are are. They, they come across as more likable than they did in the original ukulele. Like, I feel like I understand them better as characters based on this mm. game than I did in the first. Because the first one, they did feel, in some ways, like XP's of Banjo and Kazooie. And here, yeah. here I really started to get, especially Laylee, a sense of who she was. Mm. And she wasn't just Kazooie. Like, oh, here is the winged bitch. You know? Yeah. It, it's, it, it's, it's more like, oh, she's mischievous and hyperactive. And mm. um, she doesn't have a lot of social graces. But no. she, she's she's not actually malicious, you know. Although you say that, I mean, I found going from Banjo Kazooie to Ukulele, I found with Kazooie, like she's a, she's horrible to Bottles, especially, right. and to a few other characters as well. But she seems to respect Banjo, and like even when Banjo's being dumb, she never insults Banjo. Whereas Laylee will sit there and insult Yuka nonstop, be like, "Oh, I'm Yuka's only friend," and even I think he's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Laylee. Lady does have the same filter that Kazooie might have. Yeah, and I, I think, like, that's, like, I, I don't know. Uh, it just comes off as more innocent for me with Laylee. And it's it's funny because, you know, Andy Robinson did the bulk of the writing for Impossible Lair. Um, mm. I, I know Daly took over when Andy left um, Platonic and, and she kind of uh, slid into his role. But um andy still handled the bulk of the writing in, in impossible layer as he did in ukulele but i feel like he course corrected a lot of the stuff um oh. in, in ukulele um so, some of the, some of the maybe missteps he did tonal missteps and i i thought i think like ukulele and impossible layer is uh some fine work from him um yeah but yeah in, in the final zone i did like how the uh the scare ship capital b's airship played a role in the final two levels of of, of this area it, it yeah. you know, like there, there's no like actual progression the way the game is broken down and structured like there can't be any progression like k rule takes off in the flying croc and then you've you've got to like go through the brambles to reach the flying croc for the final battle like the scare ship doesn't actually come into anything um in in the end game they just incorporated it as a set piece in the final two levels it's not like you know because you can just access the impossible layer from the start of the game so it's not like you have to be flown to the impossible layer or anything grand like that but mm. it, it was still nice to see that this thing from the tutorial stage 
made a comeback in the end. Um, they they kind of paid it off a little bit. Um, yeah, it kind of caught me off guard. Um, I didn't expect, didn't notice it in my first playthrough, but then on my second playthrough, I was like, oh yeah, the last two levels are both called scare ship. That's interesting. Yeah, which I I didn't realize at first was a pun on airship. Because um, I was like, <laughs> scare ship, that's a stupid name. And I didn't think about it anymore. And then I, I was like, oh, it's an airship. I got it. Okay, like Bowser mm. has, but it's it's capital B. And all right. But it reminds me more of the um, the airship that the Tiki's had at the beginning of Donkey Kong Country Returns. That, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it comes back when you're um, like flying up to um, – is, is it Tiki Tong Tower? Does it come back in the rocket – level um from the factory it comes back at some yeah, point it's, so. been, it's been a while since i played returns i need to break out dunk on country returns 3d again but yeah because um, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna dust off my wii anytime soon that's for sure <laughs> no you could do that in the comfort of your own home yeah i i don't need to whack like if i'm gonna waggle in my own house it's gonna be it, the context is gonna be completely different let me tell you <laughs> My I have my waggle time and I have my gaming time and I don't like to mix them. Yeah, it's interesting. I think I might have talked about it maybe during the Dixie Kong podcast. How um I thought I'd play Donkey Kong Country Returns on Dolphin in HD and I do not recommend it because it doesn't look good. It breaks the illusion of a lot of the graphical effects. Oh really? You're like oh that's not real. That's just like a texture in the background. There's not real hills stretching off into the distance. <laughs> Whereas the three the 3DS actually holds up really well. It has the illusion of depth. Be- it's just just. To this day, I can't tell the difference in the graphics. Really, I think it's just a really flawless conversion. I mean, a lot of people can't. A lot of people complain about the frame rate, but oh yeah, yeah, I, the, the frame rate doesn't bother me honestly because probably because I'm an old man who, who <laughs> played games back in the day, as Cranky would say, and like mm. stuff like Donkey Kong Land doesn't phase me, you know. So to, <laughs> to have something that's a little bit lesser fidelity, a little bit blurrier, and with less frame rate, I'm like, yeah, whatever. This yeah, I've never been a frame rate snob, really. No, uh, I I wasn't with Banjo Tooie when IGN was complaining about it, and I'm not now. Damn it! <laughs> well, I've made the upgrade to 4K on my computer, and I've always I've become a 4K snob. So like, I don't want to show me their new TV. I'm like, mm, is it 4K though? Thing is though, my computer is a Frankenstein of old parts. I call her Cher because she's had so many new parts installed. Ouch. <laughs> Yeah, uh, basically, um, it can't really run anything in 4K more recently than 2009. But still, you could put YouTube on 4K. So that's that. <laughs> yeah, I call my computer Sunny Bono because of the time it hit a tree. Oh. <laughs> oh take that, Sunny Bono. You know, my computer is strong enough to run old games, but not... Uh, I don't know. Re- uh, yeah. Carry <laughs> on. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, I, I the the final zone. Um, I I enjoyed it. I I thought it was going to be like, I thought there's going to be like a creepy reveal in it. I I was like setting myself up for like something like, just truly horrific or something. I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking there was going to be like some sort of boss fight in the overworld or, but not nothing actually came to be and um. It, it just just kind of ended again by the nature of the structure of the game if you can access the impossible layer from the start you really can't lead up to anything too spectacular so mm. i under i i get it but for me the true ending the true final level of the game is going back to capital causeway the first 
level in the game yeah. and accessing its uh, altered state, which uh, in this case is is uh, access. Once, once you can jump up, once you have enough battalion guards and you can jump up on their tents, you can reach the Blamphibian Angler, who is named Rodney, by the way. We, we learned his name was Rodney. You, oh. you can access him, who's been sitting above um, the uh, the the Grand Tome, the chapter that has Capital Causeway in it. And I think at first it's just his fishing rod are left behind, and then he shows up at some point. But if you talk to him, he will cast his rod into the chapter and rip out the entire capital of the Royal Stingdom, and he'll have it <laughs> on his line, which alters then the level itself to be this post-apocalyptic nightmare, <laughs> which I thought was really clever. Like, they, the fact that they thought of a way to alter every level in the game for a second mm. level based on the bones of the first level and that they were able to keep every alteration fresh and interesting and also logical to the events of the overworld is mm. probably one of the greatest creative feats that I can lay at the feet of this team. They uh they they truly did a remarkable job. Yes, definitely. And uh, that's interesting. It's like um, a critique of Donkey Kong Country Three is that every level is, level is a gimmick level, really. Uh -huh. So it's cool that this game has the normal version of every level and then the gimmick version of every level. Yeah, it is, and it also shows that they were smart about their budget. That they they were able to like instead of having to develop like double the amount of levels they were like what if we change the levels that we have and like that it just shows how like economical they were but it still didn't hinder their creativity and it never feels like the game you're playing is an indie game like we, we've talked about it before like the budget difference between tropical freeze and impossible layer and the fact that we are having this debate about which is better impossible layer or tropical freeze shows just how much they were able to stretch their pounds with with uh impossible layers development it it, yeah. it 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 is just staggering what they're able to do that it never feels like an indie game that it never feels lesser than than something like tropical freeze which had the big nintendo budget behind it mm. um yeah really just goes to show what talent they've got on board, really, oh doesn't it? Oh, my God. <laughs> it, it, I mean, the fact that, you know, people had the critiques they did of the original ukulele, which I do understand. I mean, I, I will defend the original ukulele, but I I do see the flaws. You know, I, I do see the, the quibbles people have with it. But Impossible Layer, the fact that it is, like, damn near five stars perfection it just shows that yeah platonic is a powerhouse of a studio and uh they they definitely deserve recognition and respect but i i love like the way it comes full circle because like i i i don't know if you can play uh the altered state of capital causeway like before you get all the bees i you might be able to you might be able to jump up there beforehand i waited yeah until, i managed okay i i waited until i was done with the final zone because i wanted it to be the last uh, um. chapter the last level i played before attempting the impossible lair and uh just, just brought things full circle it it was uh it was fun 
Although I did feel bad after I had to go up and talk to Rodney to have him lower the town because I didn't want to leave it in this uh, catastrophic state uh, of just like burning embers and ruin. I wanted it to actually be the nice, uh, tranquil place it was depicted at the start of the game. Oh, that's good of you. Save the town. Yeah. Also, this is where you get Cameron's bee, Cam Beagle. Mm. And it, it's funny because a lot of people, when they were first playing the game, they were like, Cameron has a bee in the game. I haven't found Cameron's bee yet. What? Where am I missing <laughs> Cameron's bee? And Cameron's Cam bee. Cam Beagle. Cam Beagle. Yeah, Cam Beagle. Cam Beagle probably got the best location out of all of our bees. Mm. I, I would say that between, between Jeff, myself, and Cameron, Cameron got the royal treatment. He got the most memorable level to be attached to. I don't even remember what level... Uh, Hive Russell was in. Uh, so. I just realized we could have had Matt Hornet as well. Mm, bit clunky, but <laughs> Matt Hornet is actually a really, really clever name. Yeah. Um, now, now we need to come up with names for everyone, though. Um, <laughs> you have to bring bring more for the rest of the class. So, Joe, your assignment after this episode is over is to come up <laughs> for a name for uh, Gibbon, um, Dustin. Uh, the I whole, say, yeah, he's on the team now. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole uh, the, loop. the whole Idaho crew, uh, Adam, Andrew, or Ape. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's get, get to it. Yeah, yeah, I will later. <laughs> no, not now, not during the show. <laughs> no, no, no. We'll we'll finish this first. Mm. So the impossible layer. Jesus Christ. Yes. Jesus Christ. Oh Jesus God. Christ. <laughs> um, do you know, I um, heard about the checkpoints, but I thought they worked like the checkmates in the game. So because of that, when um, like when they said, "Oh, you can beat try the not so impossible there and start from any checkpoint," I thought I'm not going to do that. Like so they said, it's good for practice. I thought no, because I'll just practice the last bit over and over. I didn't realize. I only found out the other day that it lets you pick which checkpoint to start from. I was like, oh, this changes everything. So I might get back on attempting the impossible there now that I know I can practice each segment over and over again. Yeah. I've only beaten it once, so you've got one up on me. Um, oh, okay. I, I do. I do have to ask: How many battalion guards did you have at the end of it? Well, so the first time I beat it was before they patched it, which meant there were no checkpoints at all. Oh my god! And I think I, I think I tried it once or twice and realized this is clearly impossible without all the bees. Yeah. So I waited until I had every single one of the bees to attempt it, and then I did it. I think it maybe took me a few attempts. Uh-huh. But then on this second playthrough, it um, just took me one attempt and I did it with all the bees. You wait, you, you did. I mean, did you make it through with all the bees still left? Oh, no, God, no. I lost all of them. Oh, you lost all <laughs> I of them. Might, okay. have had, might have had two or three left at the end. But yeah, I waited until I had all 48 again and then just breezed through it. I, I, I beat it and I remember having zero bees left, which really, I don't think I had Lele left. By the end of it, it, <laughs> it, 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 like my hands were trembling. I had, I was playing it on the Switch in handheld mode, mm. and I, I just remember like the screen shaking because my hands were shaking so much, <laughs> sweat pooling on the Joy Cons. Just, <laughs> I find that with this, um, with the impossible there, there's often the dilemma of when you lose Laylee of do I carry on without her or do I go back and risk getting hit and dying and having to start over again. Yeah, I, I, well, I lost Laylee in the final countdown part where it's basically like you're, you're, you don't really want to go back. So mm. I, I just, yeah, I had to just make the call 
well, I have the checkpoint, so I'm just going to push through, you know? Mm. Um, I, I enjoy how varied the impossible layer is. Um, I, I like that they broke up the final battle with capital B across multiple stages. That felt yeah. very, um, that felt very Donkey Kong country, like two to me, like where the final battle of K. Roll is broken up in two, two stages, the flying croc and then crocodile core, um, oh, yeah. and Donkey Kong country three, I guess. But I, I like that, you know, it, rather than this long protracted battle, I guess the, the final battle, final, final battle with him is pretty long, but I, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, r- rather than having it be this like large, large part of it that it keeps things fresh. Like you've got the impossible layer, like the obstacle course. And then here's a part where you fight capital B and then you're done with yeah. that. He runs away. You do some more platforming than a fight with capital B. Yeah, I find it annoying. Like if you're trying to beat the impossible layer, you have to do the first battle with him every time, and that yeah. becomes a chore because it's really easy to just get all four or five hits on him without him getting a single. If he come, you can actually send him off before he even has time to try and attack you. Right. So I, I wish there were an option just to skip that bit and just start with the platforming while attempting the impossible layer. But I suppose that would defeat the point, really, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I, I liked the battle with capital B, the, the final, final battle. It, it it felt more like, you know, I, I was I was wondering if it was just going to feel like a remix of K. Rool fights in the past, sort of like Lord Frederick did in Tropical Freeze. And mm. I guess, you know, maybe there were some elements in there, but it mostly felt fresh and unique. I mean, it, it's borrowing from a lot of different platformers, too, so... Um, yeah, and, and there's only so much you can do with the genre where, oh, you know, he's, he's sh- here he's shooting out like these gelatinous plasma lava orbs and they, um, you, you have to, you know, evade them and you, know, you have to look for the gap in the, the line of them and, oh, but there's a conveyor mm. belt floor that's pulling you back and forth. And yeah, it just, just a lot's going on and where they get you, of course, is not so much in, the fight itself, but how frazzled and frayed you are by the time you get there. And you're looking at the number of bees you have left. And it's, it's cool visually. Like there's no hit meter on capital B, but you can, you can tell how close he is based on the number of bees he's got flying around him. Yeah. That's a cool detail. Yeah. So you, you know, you might not know exactly how many it is unless you, you know, your quick counter, but you you still get the general vibe of how close he is to defeat. And of course, he then changes up his attack the closer he gets, which adds mm. an element of stress. Like, the further we go, the more I'm not going to know what he's doing, and I'm not going <laughs> to have his attack patterns memorized, and, and oh my god, what's he going to throw to me, throw at me after the fight? And mm. that, you know, it's devious. The, the whole thing is devious because it's designed to break you down mentally, yeah and i mean it's it's a gauntlet it it is i i don't know would this be the hardest thing if if we were to say ukulele and impossible lair was a donkey kong country game let's say it Mm. it is the sixth in the lineage uh, after tropical freeze would it be the hardest thing in any donkey Kong country game uh, minus the time trials in the retro games um yeah yeah i'll definitely say so um, just the whole impossible there. 
Do you mean just the battles or the? So do you mean the impossible layer total, or do you mean like the individual oh, I, battle I, I, at the I end? Mean, I mean, I mean the impossible layer total from start to finish. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Even the hardest things, the hardest thing in the whole series, I would say. Yeah, I, I, I would say trying to get those shiny gold medals in Returns and Tropical Freeze are still harder. Um, <laughs> Have you tried? I would not bother. <laughs> I've tried. It's, it's it's miserable, and Professor mm. Chops is a lot more of a hard ass than Capital B apparently, um, <laughs> because he just has he leaves you no room for error. Where at least with Capital uh, B, you can change up your strategy. So, it's like those stupid memes about the game's villain versus the real villain. The real villain is Professor Chops. I I completely agree. <laughs> Fuck him. And, you know, th- th- we'll we'll talk about some twist endings for Impossible Layer here in a bit, but. I, I would not be surprised if we ever get a third entry in the in the Returns Tropical Freeze duology. I would not be surprised to learn that Professor Chops was behind behind it all from the start. <laughs> that would be great. It's like, you all scoffed. You all said I didn't belong in this game. You all said, why didn't they just use Trough and Scoff from Donkey Kong 64? They already have a pig. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Why, why didn't they just use Wrinkly Kong's ghost? Well, guess what? <laughs> guess what? I killed Wrinkly. Oh, my God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I switched out her meds. <laughs> <laughs> Pushed her down the stairs. Uh, how did I? How did I know the pharmacology? I am a professor, am I not? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, and then uh, you you finally you finally beat Capital B, and I knew this was coming. I don't know how I called it. Maybe it was just being around the block long enough. Mm. I knew there was going to be a countdown. I knew there was going to be a Metroid style. Like, uh, self-destruct, we have to escape from the impossible layer before it blows up kind of deal yeah. to end it. I knew just the end of the capital B fight would not be the end. And as soon as it happened, I was like, is it, is, is, is it going to happen? Is, is, is Am I right? And I was right. Mm. And I, <laughs> it was one of those times where I wasn't happy to be right because I was ready for it to be done. I was so, I had to pause <laughs> the game and just put it down for a hot minute because I Mm. was so at the end of my rope, but then I didn't want to lose all of my momentum. And because I was afraid if I, if I took too long of a break, then I would, you know, be sluggish in my response time and I would just screw it up. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny that Uh, that just made me think of Canary Mary. Then where you have to button mashing, you have to stop to kind of, you know, let your wrist recover and then carry on with the tapping. Yeah. I, I remember, you know, back in 98 trying to beat Gruntilda in Banjo-Kazooie and having to just mm. pause the game and go outside and feel the sun on my face <laughs> because it, it, it was like just all consuming. Yeah, the, the final phase of that is so unforgiving with the shooting the eggs into the Jinjonator, especially uh, if you're playing on the switch and then you've got to press two buttons to do C up or whatever it is, the stupid button combination you have to do and always do it wrong. And oh. Yeah, thankfully I've been playing with my N64 controller uh, on Nintendo Switch Online plus expansion pack, so... Oh, all right for some. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know how I would do it just using the Switch hardware, the Switch architecture uh, with the controller. Yeah, the game was fine up to that point. I could kind of got behind the logic of it, of like substituting the button 
you know, limited buttons for whatever, and having to hold something down before you press that to do that. It only tripped me up a few times. It's just that last bit, I just panic. You know, in your brain, you just start panicking and oh, yeah. frantically trying to do it as quickly as possible, and then you press the wrong button. It's like, no! Yeah, no, I that I completely do that all the time. I do it live when I'm streaming. I, I just fall into that panic mode and I just mm. make, make a fool of myself. Uh, I much prefer the times when I can make a fool of myself just in the privacy of my own home with nobody watching <laughs> except me and my shame. Mm. Well, it's funny what I've found. So I'm just going on another tangent. <laughs> I've been, I've been lo- losing it. I've been gaining weight again and trying to lose it. And one of the, my um, experiments, which has actually been working quite well, is Ring Fit Adventure. And I find that that is pretty much it fit, tricks fat nerds like me into wanting to play because you want to beat it and you want to beat all the side missions. The problem is it's got the normal problem of getting stressed out by frustrating minigames, but now it's your own body that's suffering. <laughs> and so the swearing as I sweat, fuck! <laughs> mess up the games or whatever or use the wrong move and end up missing the back. It's a very stressful game, but it does help me lose weight, so... Yeah, it's a shame they didn't release that Banjo Kazooie Connect game that they demoed, uh, where you 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 moved Banjo and Kazooie around by like swaying your arms back and forth. Mm. Yeah, because that 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 would be a game I I would be all about trying to you know stay in shape, stay physically fit. Well, Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> I don't know. That's terrible. No, that's probably better than anything it would actually be called. So I'm, I'm, all, I'm all about that. Anyway, the uh, the self destruct countdown. Um, I am relieved that it wasn't one of those deals where you had to run back through the entirety of the impossible layer that you've already uh, you progressed through. I'm glad it wasn't just like now I'll go through like backwards and, and yeah i think that would have just wound me up way too much i think <laughs> having to do the same bits again would have just been yeah 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 the, when, when i realized it wasn't that that we were actually breaking new ground at first i was confused and i was like oh no i i don't know what to expect and i was like oh no this is going to be better because i'm pretty sure that would just kill me dead if if i were mm. to i i like that you go out a different way and it it was actually easier than I thought. And when I, I say easier with an asterisk, because it wasn't easy per se, but it was easier than I thought it was going to be. And a lot of that is down to it was sort of an obstacle course that makes you utilize your rolling and jumping skills quite a bit. And yeah. uh, that, that could have been far more stressful had I not been such a veteran of the Donkey Kong Country style gameplay that this really leaned to at the very end. Yeah, no, I agree. That's definitely the best way they could have done something like that. Yeah. Because we've had, we've had, I don't know, like nine games to get used to that now, like five country games and three land games and this one as well, you know. And, and Game Boy Advance and color remakes and yes. Yeah, that's pretty much the one thing we've all mastered is rolling and jumping and rolling off the edge and jumping in midair and stuff like that. So yeah, that was a good shout ending the game like that, I think. It was, it really was. And I, I like because your brain can kind of go on autopilot just a little bit. And that really does help in that situation where you're, you are relying on base motor skills. If you are a veteran of, of these games and so mm-hmm. it isn't so panicky and fidgety and stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Ah, it, it's just, <laughs> no, I've got this. It, it's kind of like use the force, Luke, and, uh, you know, blow up the Death Star. You just have to rely and trust yourself and trust your instincts and you, you can yeah. pull it out. And 
And I, I like that it ends with a fake out. You think you fall into your death. And, yeah. And Queen Phoebe flies down and pulls you up and you're like, oh, you bastards. You got That's me. That's so cool. Yeah. You got me. Uh, really just goes to show the level of skill that went into this game. Um, they were so confident in that they could do this game. And it's so, it's designed so well. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Impossible Layer is a bastard and a half. It, mm. it, it, it's, it's a grueling experience. But it's one of those grueling experiences where you want to get better at it. It never breaks you to the point of frustration. It bends you for sure. And it bends you probably mm. as far as you can bend. But there's always that little bit of, I want to get better at this. I want to get mm. further. And then when you actually do get there and you got you had that final countdown. And I like that there was no uh, countdown like, timer on the screen. It was all conveyed with in-game monitors that you would pass. So yeah, yeah. it was like, what? how much time do I have? How much time do I have? And then you see it and then it's in the back of your head, but you're not staring at this obtrusive thing on the screen which would cause you to screw up so that yeah it's so well thought out the design the efficiency of the design up to that last fake out where they think they got they got you you fall to your death like what was i supposed to do oh my god Mm -hmm. okay that was supposed to happen queen phoebe's got me that's overwhelming sense of relief that overcomes you waves of just oh i got it it's done and then you just sit there it's like uh it's like having sex right <laughs> it, it's it's like you've successfully pulled it off to, in a satisfactory now, I, manner and you, i know exactly what you're describing there because that's exactly how i feel with cuphead just that when it comes up with a knockout you're just like oh feels so good after you just got so wound up for the past hour trying to beat it over and over again <laughs> yeah but but you're you're like okay now i can just relax and savor the moment mm. and it, it it really is just one of the best feelings um just like light up a cigarette you know that <sighs> right <laughs> yeah go go over to uh dr dank's dispensary we we have a we have a joe i i it's been a while since i've talked to you mm-hmm. uh weed is legal here in the state of virginia now so oh, uh, i have all sorts of marijuana shops that have opened up around my house and uh <laughs> right across the street there is a place called dr dank's so uh <laughs> Danky Kang. Occasionally, I can uh, I can smell the waft of uh, sweet smoke coming through the air uh, (laughs) through my front door, and I'm like, oh, somebody's blazing up over Doctor Danks. (laughs) Nice, but uh, it's quite a nice smell. I always think. I mean, I don't really smoke the stuff anymore. I can't. No, it's very too paranoid. But since I've been, it's been legal for about a year here and it's very yeah. sickly sweet because I smell it everywhere. Now you're walking through a parking lot and yeah. you pass a car and you, you smell it <laughs> emanating from the car. So um, anyway, yeah, but, but it is, I, I remember like, I, I liken it to the way I felt after finally beating K rule in like the flying <laughs> croc in DKC two. just that, Oh my God, I did it. Like, yeah, and and this is sort of that magnified by 100. It's just, mm. it's like imagine the flying croc battle, but all of Screech's sprint and all of like like half of uh K rules keep before that. You know, just like this huge gauntlet full of varied stuff. 
and mm-hmm. and you're you're able to do it. I I don't know how anybody has done it in one sitting without bees even like in in one it's crazy well the original stipulation before they patched it was you had to start a new game and sit through like the opening cutscene and then try it like it wouldn't even like you couldn't even just like go back into the impossible lair without having collected any bees yet you had to do it from the very start of the game yeah which just sounds insane yeah, Gibbon is in the live stream and she says i never beat it without the checkpoints was giving me too much anxiety Mm. yeah and and it's giving me anxiety just thinking about it. And <laughs> it's just like, you know, like, I, I want to be good at this game. I want to be an expert at this game. I don't know if I have the, mm. the physical stamina, fortitude it takes to do this. It's it's mm. almost too diabolical. It's almost, it's almost too devious. Like, they, they almost went too far with this. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I would say, um, maybe I think I would say that patching the checkpoints in maybe made it too easy. It doesn't seem impossible if you know that you can just keep trying from the last part, especially if you've got like, like for my checkpoints, I've got eight bees left on the final checkpoint and that was enough to get me to the end. So it took me two attempts total on my most recent playthrough. Yeah. And I just think it was much more terror inducing, no, feeling like if I died, I had to start again from the beginning, especially with the number of attempts I'd had as well, like mocking me, like racking up yeah i don't know i i i i want to keep playing and it's one of those things where oh this might be fun to take a take a crack at the impossible layer again you know mm. um I, I i will definitely keep chipping away at it and getting better at it i will not be attempting to stream this like <laughs> uh un, until i feel confident enough in my abilities that i could do it probably blindfolded um but th- this this will be an embarrassing just uh, self-esteem degrading event Mm. should i stream this as my skills are at the present level it's just it's just not worth it it's not worth the blow to my self-esteem well actually it's been a few years did you ever manage to 100 percent donkey conga 2 joe no uh... we we, we don't we don't bring that up (laughs) sorry sorry um I I could do it. I just need a willing, able, skilled bongo partner to get me through gorilla duet mode. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, because gorilla duet mode, as I've I've often described, is a challenge because it makes they make it harder if you're doing it single player. But if you have somebody mm. else to handle half the notes, then you could theoretically do it. I've gotten so close, but there are a Ooh. few songs that are just nigh impossible to do by yourself it it is honestly probably harder than doing the impossible layer uh <laughs> go without any yeah, but the difference is impossible layer is a good game that we want to finish <laughs> yeah uh i i do like some of the uh the graphical elements of donkey konga 2 i enjoy that it seems to take place in the donkey kong land worlds that's fun for <laughs> lore and continuity there's a there's a radley bridge a bridge they did dedicated to the animal buddy Radley. I appreciate that. I, 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 I was it spelled correctly this time. Uh, well, it wasn't spelled at all. So okay. yeah, but I like to, I like to imagine that the bridge itself is called like the R A T T I L I E bridge, the Radley mm. bridge. I because you know Gruntilda misspells Radley in Grunty's Furnace Fun because that's one of the uh, the incorrect options when I for I think like. 
who is this character and it's hissed up but one one of the mm-hmm. fake choices is radley and that's spelled wrong and it's spelled wrong in new donk city so i like this running joke this cross studio cross company running joke that mm. nobody can spell radley correctly or russell <laughs> or russell yeah i i i find kinship with uh my my coiled uh, dong shaped friend radley so <laughs> So Queen Phoebe pulls you out of the impossible lair. You are back on the overworld, back at the uh, entrance to Hybrid Towers. And, uh, and and she she thanks you, you know, capital B. We don't really know what happened to capital B, do we? He was, he was, uh, he passed out in the self-destruct sequence. So is capital uh, B yeah. presumed to be dead or? Oh, he's not going to be dead, is he? Of course he'll be back for the sequel. No, of course. Well, we've seen him uh we we've seen him since then uh have we not mm. uh was, was mighty fight federation after impossible layer oh god nice <laughs> yeah so yeah mighty fight federation uh had an appearance of capital b now where that took place in the timeline we don't know but anyway uh but he, he he's basically defeated the impossible layer is implied to be destroyed and yeah. um queen phoebe's thanking you and and then she just casually drops the fact that she is capital B's sister. That's one for the British listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, yeah. I, I, will, I won't even ask you to explain it. We'll just leave that <laughs> for our British audience of, of the conversation. And and then there, there's this like record scratch moment where the music cuts out. They actually have a record scratch and she reveals that she will report what Capital B did to the Vile board, of which she's yeah. a board member. Now, Vile is the evil organization that was mentioned in Ukulele. The, the mm. reveal in that game was that Dr. Quack was actually a member of Vile. Capital B is not, and, and, and uh, Cap, uh, Dr. Quack was reporting Capital B's malfeasance to vile and here queen phoebe is also part of vile and is mm. also going to report capital b's crimes to them now this is interesting because up until this point we thought queen phoebe was this virtuous uh snow white like uh <laughs> just purely innocent character and yeah. now oh no she is like the fact that she's capital b sister is almost incidental it almost doesn't matter yeah. because she is actually part of this evil organization and it's like wait a second what um yeah. so i don't know how i felt about this twist at first because it almost felt like too much of a 180 degree like turn like yeah what? it's a bit weird isn't it um i do notice um Dr. Quack's absence from this game is quite conspicuous as well, like, because they didn't forget him because his logo's everywhere and you've got the grenades with his face on and stuff like that. So they've definitely got, like, a grand plan here. So I'm curious to see where it's all going. Yeah, it's interesting because I I didn't expect this game to have so much in the way of story uh, continuation and just accumulated lore like I thought, oh, this is going to be a different genre. We will get callbacks and and fun things, but it won't be essential to the story. And now I'm thinking, mm. no. Uh, like I'm sure you can play the next game, whether that's Tukalele or whatever. I'm sure you can play that without having played a possible layer. But yeah. I, I do think there will be stuff that will be all the richer if you have played uh, both games. So definitely. 
Yeah, I mean, I the more the more I thought about it, the more I liked this because it, it, it was like it, it definitely doesn't make what Capital B in this game did in this game right. Like he's still the villain; he's still up to no good, but definitely paints Queen Phoebe in a different light. Like, yeah, well, she says that she's only been the queen for like one week. It's her first week. Yeah, yeah. Guys, kind of clear hints in that she's not as pure as she appears. You know, we only know she she seems good because she's just started, but we don't know yet. <laughs> right, right. Um, and yeah, like I said, this is the second game to end revealing that a character is part of Vile, and in that case, it was a villainous sidekick character. Here, mm. it's the basically third protagonist of the game, the the one you are seeking to help, and so this yeah. is more of a gut punch. So. It, it's it's just like whoa, whoa, okay uh but it is exciting like this this notion of vile this uh, evil <laughs> organization now we know two members that are part of it and it's just like what what is this going to like look like what is this going to manifest as as the lore of ukulele continues to unfold and mm. um like i i just imagine like this like boardroom, these cutscenes of like Queen Phoebe and Doctor Quack and whomever yeah. else will be there, uh, characters who might not have even been revealed yet that that are waiting to be introduced. I don't know. Um, it's exciting. Yeah, very exciting. I'd say the only thing that's missing, law-wise, well, I suppose they can't just do everything that Banjo Kazooie did. Is it? It'd be interesting if um. Capital B got a new form in every game, like he got horribly bruised or disfigured by the events of each game. Well, I think they're going with the K rule route with him, where he he has a different design, a different maybe not so much persona, but a different uh, like agenda, agenda, and a visual motif to go along with it in each game. So you know, the first game he's just the businessman; he's Donald Trump. In this yeah. game, he is uh, a dictator, a tyrant, Donald Trump. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, he, we've seen him in Mighty Fight Federation in his golfing clothes. So oh, okay. uh, I, I think each game they're going to change up his appearance, which is exciting to me as somebody who loves K. Rool and his different, you know, uh, identities. I don't think they're going to portray it like K. Rool, where he's having a full blown identity crisis. But mm. I, I think it's it's still going to be more along those lines than Gruntilda. Yeah, just being more and more. Death becomes her kind of just degradation <laughs> of of her bodily self. Yeah. So that's fair you, enough. That works for me. Are you ready to learn about the secret ending? Yes. Tell me all about it. So this is the secret ending that you get if you do the impossible layer in one go. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I, I think some people have only heard about this. I and mean, I looked it up on YouTube because I, I eventually just broke down. And I was like, I'm probably never going to see this in person in the game. So why am I keeping the spoiler for myself? This was actually already spoiled to me. Uh, somebody from Platonic casually told me what it was going to happen. And <laughs> I can't believe I'm be finding out about this today on this podcast this is mind-blowing <laughs> yeah and uh the way i understood it from them i uh i was like that sounds terrible the way it actually plays out is quite different and mm. i think a lot of people are misunderstanding this either from like just the telephone game word of mouth you know uh or or maybe um 
they're they're just not like understanding what it entails because it requires some understanding of the first game's plot Mm. so here is what happens so if you beat the impossible layer in one go it cuts to a scene of yuka and Lele lounging on their rock similar to the (laughs) first ukulele game um their, their rock with the the mr pants catalog on it and the you know the towels the, the towels right and uh Laylee is writing with a golden quill in a book and mm-hmm. uh yuka's uh looking at her and um Laylee says hey yuka i've been writing a story about us going into the book where capital b is trapped and yuka says oh really what happens and Laylee responds, well, he's inside a world we haven't visited called the Royal Stingdom. He's built this stupid near impossible lair where he's overthrown the ruler. And she turns out to be his sister and a vile board member. Anyway, we totally breeze through it and defeat capital B without stupid Blasto taking credit this time. Oh, Yuka says, ooh, sounds like fun. Y- Yuka channels a bit of jolly there Ooh, sounds like fun. <laughs> Ooh. shame it wasn't real say where's the one book i bet it would get a kick out of this story too what Laylee? what's that you're writing in oh well the one book was asleep and it's got loads of spare pages um. and where did you get that ink from and Laylee says a warm secretive stranger gave it to me out in the woods oh and yuka screams lately as the one book begins to tremble and everything cuts the black so joe what are your impressions of what i just described um i'm confused (laughs) i'm disappointed (laughs) so so wait so so the game's events are not real it was just a story that laylee wrote no Um, no 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 that's that that, that, okay so on the surface yes on the the surface it's like the super mario brothers 2 oh wait that was all a dream so yeah none of that happened but if you'll remember like the events of super mario brothers 2 take place in a reality a dream world called subcon so you can interpret the events of super mario brothers 2 as mario has actually traveled into a tangible dream world and yes he dreamed it but it still happened uh from oh okay from a certain point of view okay so what Laylee does is so do you you remember what the story of ukulele was with the one book yeah 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 so so how the one book talks to you within impossible there as well yeah yeah so Capital B is looking for this MacGuffin, this all-powerful mm. device, similar in effect to like the Infinity Stones from off of Marvel, you know, which Thanos wants to get to rewrite yeah. reality to to do whatever he wants. In that case, uh, call half the universe's population. Um, oh yeah, yeah. In this case, Capital B wants to get a hold of the One Book because writing in the One Book can rewrite reality as you know it so capital b can rewrite reality so he will have always been for example the ruler of the universe right yeah so and and if he writes it in the one book then reality changes then that's always been the case as far as anyone but the one book itself is concerned 
Uh, capital B always would have been God Emperor of the Multiverse, and nobody notes anything different because reality says so in the one book. We don't really understand, like, the origin or the mechanics of the one book. We only understand its power. So yeah. what Laylee, because this is the one book apparently is, is shacking up with Ukulele after the events of Ukulele yeah. game and uh, is, is living in the Batship Crazy with them. And so at one point it falls asleep and Laylee decides to write the, sto- the story she makes up about this fictional second adventure that they go on in this place called the Royal Sting. Basically the entire events of Ukulele and Possible Lair, Laylee mm. writes in the one book. And by doing that, she rewrites reality so oh, that my. the events of Ukulele and Possible Lair have actually happened. So so what Laylee Okay, does, that, is, that is crazy. That is deep. Yeah, that 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 is a, a mind twisty ending. So basically what happens is the, the moment where Yuka cries out, Laylee, and the book is trembling. You have to look up the cutscene for yourself on YouTube. Yeah, I'm confused about this. Like, um, I'm picturing it in, like, the original ukulele art style, but I suppose it still looks like Impossible Les no, Overworld. It, it, it looks like the original ukulele's art style, just a little bit more low res. Oh, I'm going to have to look at this then. Wow. <laughs> um, and, and they use the dialogue uh, bubbles from Impossible Lair. But otherwise, it, it's it's basically just a recreation of the opening of the original ukulele. So the one oh, book wow. begins to tremble and it begins to glow and everything hmm. cuts to black. And that's the moment reality is rewritten and the events of ukulele and Impossible Lair happen oh Laylee, wow. Laylee wills it into existence she she's not thinking things through that oh if i write this story in this book that can rewrite reality i will in fact be rewriting reality so mm. when the events of um yuka Laylee, and the impossible layer happen yuka and mm. Laylee don't remember Laylee writing in the one book they don't remember that this is Laylee's story it just it it just this is the way it's always been for them uh, yeah. However, this might explain why the one book is so traumatized when we visit it in the Batship Crazy in Impossible Lair. Um, we're we're left to believe it's still traumatized from the events of the original. Pages ripped out. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. in fact, might be traumatized because Laylee rewrote reality in him <laughs> or in it, and it's been hiding from Yuka and Laylee, and uh, <laughs> because it would be the only one that would remember that this is not wow. how reality was supposed to go, but now Laylee has fundamentally altered the timeline forever and made Impossible Layer a reality. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Now, this is where it gets a little bit mind-twisty and a little yeah. bit convoluted. So this means, in fact, that in the events of the original Ukulele, Capital B didn't have a sister named Queen Phoebe. Oh. But... Because of you can layling impossible layer overwriting reality, now he's always <laughs> now he had a sister named Queen Phoebe. And the events of ukulele, he did have a sister named Queen Phoebe. But if we're playing it from the perspective of 2017, when the game came out, he did not have a sister named Queen Phoebe. But if we're playing it from the perspective of October 2019 onward, he did mm. have a sister named Queen Phoebe. And okay, oh, wow. Now. <laughs> This is where there's a bit of a paradox, and this is where it gets really fascinating. So we know from the lore of the Royal Stingdom in Impossible Lair that the Infinity Inc., 
that they process in the royal stingdom. That is what is used by the ghostwriters to write with the quills the grand tomes of the original ukulele and the world of Brawl Out in Brawl Out and Mount Zapcrackle in uh-huh. uh, in the graphic novel by DM Combo in Dream Prison Press. Okay. So the that's where the ink that's used to write the one the write the one book and and to or or maybe to write the grand tomes. Um, that's where that comes from. So Laylee says that a warm secret of stranger gave her this what's implied to be infinity ink, which yeah. in turn allows her to rewrite the universe via the one book and create the new origin point of the infinity ink. So right. what what was the original origin point of the infinity ink? We do not know, but it seems mm. to have come from this warm warm secretive stranger stranger, which is such a weird turn of phrase yeah they have someone specific in mind yes for that whether whether it's a character we haven't met yet or somebody already established a warm Mm. secretive stranger which warm seems to imply and stranger is written in red too Oh, in the dialogue okay. bubble, because in the dialogue bubbles, whenever they're referencing a character outright, they will put their head next to their name or to the name that is outright referencing them, so they know who we're talking to. They don't mm. put any character icon next to stranger, but they code it as red. So, oh, right. So he's warm and red. All I'm thinking of is the boiler. <laughs> <laughs> is it Bernie? Is is Bernie the one? Um, yeah. We we don't well it's it's somebody Laylee doesn't know so is is it some sort of lava monster is it is it a dragon is, who who is a warm secret it's, it's chilly Willy or chilly Billy <laughs> yeah it, it's is it is it going to be a crossover with Spyro the dragon we don't know mm, very interesting we don't know so yeah but this does create a paradox as far as the origins of the Infinity Inc and. It gets very confusing, but I've seen people say, oh, this means the events of Impossible Layer never happened. No, they did happen. That's the whole catch with the one book. Uh, I've seen people say that, oh, the overworld itself is in a, a, a book and none of this actually happens. No, it does. The overworld is Shipwreck Creek. It's And Royal Stingdom does exist as a grand tome. It just has this really metaphysical origin point that the characters themselves don't remember and that we're only made privy to if we beat the uh the impossible layer in one go or watched it on youtube or found out about it on the conversation mm. wow <laughs> what, what are your thoughts on that um well yeah this is a very complex and mind-blowing and <laughs> i mean yeah when you lay out that it does lay out like that it does sound like that's what they're going for and everything yeah i mean i i like it because we're told what the one book can do in ukulele but we never see it mm. put into practice because that's that's what you're trying to avert you're trying to avert the catastrophe of capital b rewriting reality so yeah I, yeah that's I, I the like, thing and- i like that we can witness its power in a mostly uh harmless way like yeah it it creates this new adventure and creates characters out of thin air that didn't exist beforehand and that that also like begs the question like the the royal battalion guards all 48 of them did Laylee 
create each <laughs> one or did that was that just like the new reality kind of filling in the blanks because like because assume like if she wrote if she willed the the grand tome of the royal stingham into existence using the one book there must be mm. a ghostwriter who still wrote the royal stingham in this new version of reality that unfolded Oh my god! <laughs> it's just... Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, trust. Yeah, I did not expect deep lore like this from this ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I appreciate that this this is kind of like this very, very like mind shattering ending that mm. it, it's definitely a worthy prize for for beating the impossible layer in in this manner. Uh, my only complaint is that. A lot of people haven't seen it. They've only heard about it after the fact, and it's leading to a lot of confusion about yeah. what it actually means. And um, luckily, my brain operates in this very fractured <laughs> prism-like state where I, I'm i like, oh, no. Oh, no. I get it. I understand it. Like, yeah, I, you're the man for the job from things like this. You're yeah. the one that kind of figured this stuff out. I'm, I'm the one who understood Lost all six seasons. <laughs> I was like, oh, that ending was brilliant. What do you mean everybody hates it? Oh, oh. Uh, so I think yeah. like Arrested Development season four as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is so complicated. I love it. Oh, everybody hates this? No, this is this is delightful that I can't follow what's happening. <laughs> Sense in hindsight, like, oh, that's what that was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I love these complex things, especially the infinity ink thing. Like, wait, what? But if if Laylee created it, how was it created to create what Laylee created? Ah, mm, yeah. some Doctor Who level shit going yeah, on there. Yeah, grandfather paradoxes and all of that. Mm. So, or I guess in this case, is it a predestination paradox or is it a grandfather paradox? Yeah, well, it's like well, you said. I think was it you. Someone told me that they've not been very subtle about the fact that they're most likely working on two Kaleli as we speak. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, with this revelation, I'm very excited to see what this is all building up to. You know, what what could the one book be used for next? Especially because we still don't know where the Batship Crazy came from. We don't know what the mm. Pirate Treasure means. We don't know what the Inept is coming yeah. up to so there, there's a lot of threads being uh woven right now by platonic and they, they've got they've, they've got a really complex mythology considering they've only had two actual games released like i know ukulele yeah. have made a lot of like guest appearances and other stuff and they've got you know the platonic friends stuff on the side which doesn't really tie in except for demon turf but mm. still it, it is like it, 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 it's, I think, it's a lot it's a lot of <laughs> games yeah no i think it will um all play out very nicely so long as they don't promise any more racists a cameo in the game and then have to remove them i have to mention it every time i have to <laughs> yeah <laughs> people if, if you're if you're bothered that joe brought it up he has to mention angry comments <laughs> it's his fault nobody likes nuts and bolts or star fox adventures but hey we're gonna be celebrating <laughs> star fox adventures 20th anniversary in a month oh lovely yeah i know it's gonna it's gonna be fun we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about a game everybody hates and we're gonna be like it's actually not so bad yeah i've ne still never got around to playing it. i did buy a copy what? and then sold it <laughs> well i do then, need to play it sometime well then joe you're not going to be on the 20th anniversary celebration for it Oh, that should be anyway. I just even I know nothing about the game, you know. Just yeah. <laughs> just try and join in the banter. Yeah, yeah. You, you, we'd be making like let's play ball jokes, and you'd just be sitting there 
shaking your head. Like, uh, shabunga. (laughs) See, you know, you know what it's all about. (laughs) Shabunga, shabunga, shabunga roll call. So we got a call to take, and then uh, we'll, we'll give our final thoughts, including the big question tropical freeze or mm-hmm. impossible air so we got we got we got a call it's one call it's just one call but we're gonna play that one call all right okay let's go ahead let's do it let's do it now let's play call hey dk vine this is sling blade from off of the dk vine forums so uh impossible air i actually hadn't planned on buying this game after being disappointed with the first one but when you guys did that first impressions mini episode back then, and were so overly positive about it, I, I decided to check it out, and I'm glad I did. It's incredible. There's so much to love about it. That a uh, world overworld exploration feels like it's picking up and expanding right where Donkey Kong Country 3 left off. You know, all the levels are amazing, and the soundtrack so good. Um, it easily became one of my favorite platformers ever, right up there with Tropical Freeze. And conquering the lair itself was one of the most electrifying experiences I've had in the game in years. Uh, anyway, yeah, I just wanted to say thanks for getting the word out about this game. Uh, it's a near masterpiece. I'd have hated to miss out on it. So if you're listening to this and haven't played it, what, what are you doing? Just play it. Come on. Uh, thanks. Well, hey, thanks for the call, Sling Blade. I'm glad we could convince you to give it a try. Um, yeah, that was a lovely call, actually. Yeah, actually, Joe's surprised. The cause we have are absolute bollocks, but this one's all right. No, no, no. Um, it's sweet. The word electrifying was a good description of yeah, yeah. What it feels like to play the game. Yeah, you know, there's there's always the fear, you know, given that three DK Vine staffers are in the game as characters. There's always the fear <laughs> that they're going to think, oh, we're fake paid chills, we're fake paid actors. Mm. We don't actually like the game. We, we're we've just been bribed into liking it and that's not the case <laughs> like that we we genuinely think this is just one of the most brilliant games of the 2010s and it it really is just one of the best best 2d platformers ever made so yeah. and I, I you know it's a shame that like platonic couldn't have led with this because i think a lot of people wrote them off <laughs> if ukulele wasn't not not only the second coming of banjo kazooie but didn't like excel and and break new ground and be better than super mario odyssey and like there there were a lot of expectations unfair expectations placed on ukulele and you know maybe platonic um sort of bit off more than they could chew with the marketing for it and uh, the hype and and whatever but i think yeah the problem with ukulele the original one which is i think still a very fine game but Mm. it it had Again, the expectations, but also too many promises. When you do a Kickstarter campaign, you got to get too much stuff in there, which might have hurt the integrity of the game, like the Rextro mini games and the Kartos sequences, and just just stuff that really I think maybe detracted from the game. And yeah. it, it's a shame. And that being said, had they led with something like Impossible Layer, something that's sort of lower stakes and, and is of a genre that is just, you know, well represented and has been well represented for over a decade now. Um, mm. You know, remember the days when 2D platformers were scarce when nobody was making them and it's like, oh, <laughs> I, I miss 2D platformers. And, and now, you know, 
inundated with them mostly thanks to the you know indie revolution and you know we've got plenty of them but it's just it's a shame because this wouldn't have gotten the attention and the eyeballs and the hype and the excitement that the original ukulele did because ukulele was coming at a time when 3d platformers Mm. were you know just it, it, it was just a more bound genre and yeah so people got excited especially because of the pedigree of the team and the 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 nostalgia for banjo kazooie that was starting to bubble up again and yeah but impossible layer is that five-star masterpiece it is that that game that i think people expected ukulele to be but the Mm. problem is it's of a genre that nobody was really itching for uh (laughs) or anymore for so it's just oh it just kind of came and it didn't get nearly enough attention and i'm still screaming to the heavens play this game play this game it it i mean if you like donkey kong country you have and i know people all the time come to me and say heil you like donkey kong country you should play this game heil you like banjo kazooie you should play this game i think you would really like this game you like (laughs) more you would really like this game and i'm like i don't have time (laughs) But, Who does anymore? That's the thing. I usually just get the Switch version of games so I can play it on the train or at work or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you've been afflicted with the I'm an adult-itis mm. where you just can't seem to find time to try every game under the sun. And so yeah. so really, I have to limit my battles. It's like I play DKU games and that's pretty much it. And Yeah, I do think um, you should give the world outside of the DKU a try. There is a lot of good stuff out there. Though. Oh, I, Joe, I wasn't expecting it from inside my own house. Oh my god! Just oh, Hyle, you should play this game. Hi- no, no. All right, I'm gonna play a game if it has a goldfish in it. Okay. <laughs> it's just it's just a shame. That's all that you'd rather play Goldilocks and Little Bear over, say, Undertale. But okay. here we are. Here's where we are. <laughs> to be fair, Joe, I don't sit around all day navel gazing at Goldilocks and Little Bear. I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not like it's like. Well, I could be, you know. Could be playing uh, Breath of the Wild. I could be playing Super mm. Mario Odyssey. But no, I'm going to break out Goldilocks in a little bit. I, <laughs> that's, that's not what happens in my day to day. I will like live stream my uh, nine to five existence for you if that's what it takes for you to believe what goes no, on. No, no, I understand. I have the same problem with TV and movies. We're like, oh, Joe, you should watch this. I always say, just come around my house and watch it with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, so... That being said, uh, the fact that Ukulele in the Possible Lair is made by the team at Platonic, who I adore, and the mm. fact that it just scratches all the itches I wanted scratched as a Donkey Kong Country fan, that made me, you know, I, I, I adore Returns and Tropical Freeze. I think Returns is vastly underrated these days, but, you know, we, we've been the first on the conversation to say, like, hey, I wish Retro would have done x y and z a little bit differently um it's fine you know they're they're not rare they shouldn't be rare they should Mm. put their own stamp on it but goddamn if i don't want in guard in that game and and where's in guard but okay so (laughs) you know it does raise the question like oh well what is preferable impossible layer or tropical freeze and i don't have an answer and i don't think Uh. there is an answer for this i think they're both excellent uh, state-of-the-art, boundary-pushing 2D platformers that both carry on the lineage and the legacy of the original Donkey Kong Country trilogy in their own ways. 
And I, I don't think it needs to be a binary choice of one or the mm. other. I think it's perfectly fine to say this game does some things better. This game does some of things better. I love both. And unless, yeah. unless I'm going to hold both you know, games up to each other and make kissy noises, we're never <laughs> going to get a melding of both of them, you know? But Yeah, they're both new interpretations on the Donkey Kong Country formula that borrow certain things and then scrap certain other things and take it in two very different, very vibrant directions. Yeah, I like, I, I you know, the, the fact that there are no Animal Buddy equivalents in Impossible Lair, that would have been, like, cool to see... That mm. that's that's one element where I have been the thirstiest for <laughs> any like I, I go back and I play Donkey Kong Country two and it's just such the perfect balance of oh yeah now I have Squitter this is awesome now I get to do mm. this I get to create web platforms or oh now I get to jump really high or I can charge through baddies or now I you know I can fly a squawk yeah. and. It, it really does break up the gameplay in the perfect way. And I don't think Impossible Layer needed that, especially with all the moves that Laylee had. Like, Laylee basically yeah. functions as your de facto Dixie in this game, where she's got yeah, the swirl, yeah. which you can augment with the tonics and make it even better. But, yeah, I'm not saying there needs to be animal buddies. I'm just saying that's one area where both Tropical Freeze and Impossible Layer they they don't service, they don't service that element that's been missing since honestly the original trilogy since Donkey Kong Country three and Land three we have mm. been desperately in need of that kind of animal buddy style gameplay again but you know I I guess Retro felt like they didn't need it with their game and Impossible Layer didn't need it with their game it was more noticeable yeah. with Tropical Freeze but it's, <laughs> it's fine. It's interesting. I mean, Tropical Freeze has like clearly got the bigger budget and everything. So you could argue that objectively it's a more, I don't know, varied game with more variety and stuff that's happening in it. Mm, but then again, oh yeah, one thing we haven't mentioned, actually, is the soundtrack to Impossible Lair is just fantastic. It really is. Like it's great. You've got both David Wise and Grant Coco, but the new guys are really good as well. My favorite track in the whole game and also probably my favorite level is Cliffside Quest. Yeah, it's just the atmosphere is just so nice, so peaceful and relaxing and lovely. Yeah, it really is. I think uh, a very, very elegant little soundtrack. Um, And Mm. the the fact that uh, Dan Murdoch and Matt Griffin, the new guys, as we call them, uh, (laughs) it it is hard to remember. Uh, It's not a slight to them. No, no, no. It wasn't a dig at them at all. Oh, these these two, you know, <laughs> doing Joe, it like that. Joe, here's my obligatory Beatles reference. Uh, when, <laughs> you know, it would be like if the Beatles had, like, continued into the 80s and, like, John Lennon never got shot. And it would be like, <laughs> oh, but we're, we're going to train uh, understudies now. We're going to bring in younger Beatles who will, who will eventually carry on for us. And it's going to be, like, once you have John, Paul, George, and Ringo, and that's, like, burning mm. your brain for a couple decades... And then it's like, oh, and here's Dan and Matt. <laughs> it's going to take a while to, to remember that. And so we have, you know, <laughs> David Wise, Grant Kirkhope, Robin Beanland. Um, and then here's Dan Murdoch and Matt Griffin. They do a, an excellent job, though. And in fact, it, it's really hard to tell, um, mm. you know, where, where David Wise and Grant Kirkhope end and where Murdoch and Griffin begin. Yeah, yeah, like they really ca- kind of capture the same sort of atmosphere and style. 
in and, many ways. And, you know, I, I don't know how well known this is, but uh, I, I know, uh, I think David Wise came to Platonic to really, like, give them, like, the lowdown on this is the way I compose, this is my philosophy, and actually, like, gave them a crash course in, like, David Wise-isms. And, yeah. and they, they, like, they took that because, you know, David Wise and Grant Kirkhope, they're in-demand composers uh, now that they're, they are freelance. You know, they're, mm. they're not Platonic employees. They're happy to work with Platonic, but, you know, hell, I mean... They, the big names of video game composing, along with, like, Toby Fox, yeah, creator I mean, of Undertale. <laughs> David, David Wise uh, has done Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. He, he did work with Retro and Nintendo. Grant Kirkhope mm. uh, did Mario Plus Rabbit's Kingdom Battle and will be doing Sparks of Hope and developed new Donkey Kong music for Donkey Kong Adventure. And he also mm. did the uh, the remixes for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, you know, and uh, he did... I think two of them for the the banjo kazooie tracks. So I mean, uh, Wise and Kirkhope are both doing stuff with Nintendo. Like they they are just like on another level now. Their their legend almost is is unreachable, and so it makes sense to bring in in house composers. Just like Wise and Kirkhope were once in house composers at Rare to mm. to help you know facilitate and and rather than you know pay the big bucks to get both of them in there to have them sort of carry like hand over some of their own flame and allow uh, Dan Murdoch and Matt Griffin to carry forward with it. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, and, and like, I love listening to the soundtrack. I actually uh, have it um, on my phone and I just like played it the other day while driving around and it was just, it was just a lovely experience. Um, it's very kind of, kind of reminds me a little bit of, the original Donkey Country soundtrack and just there's a lot of atmospheric, like maybe not the level of like atmospheric, like we're going to make a melody out of water drops in the background yeah. of this cavern, but it, it is still very sort of, um, it, it brings to mind environmental music and it's just uh, like low key uh, in, a, in a way that like the best Donkey Country songs sometimes are. Yeah. Yeah. Um I like I said, I, I, I like that we can have this philosophical debate as a fandom <laughs> going forward. Like, oh, uh, what do you like better? Tropical freeze or impossible layer? And the more people that play impossible layer will want to partake in this debate. But I, I don't think it needs to be either or. Like I, I love yeah, both yeah. games and it's it's funny because sometimes when I reach for that switch when I when I have, you know, twenty minutes to kill and I wanna play a two D platformer, sometimes I'll be queuing up Tropical Freeze. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll be queuing up Impossible Layer. It just depends what I'm in the mood for. Um, yeah. I think Impossible Layer does do some things better. Like I love the way the Twit coins are numbered. Um yeah. so you know exactly like which one you're missing and where roughly in the level it is. That's something that mm. I think the puzzle pieces really needed in. Uh... So you've got the Kong letters are like that. I was kind of thought the numbered coins were like the Kong letters and the puzzle pieces. I, I think it's kind of a, a hybridization of both because mm. uh, I, I, they, they, they serve the same function as the Kong letters in that they're, they're required to advance um, to like the end game, really like the, the final zone in this case, or the the K temples in the key temples in retro's yeah. games which ultimately get you to the the last level or levels um after the boss but 
um i think they're hidden in a way that's a lot more reminiscent of the puzzle pieces so i don't know yeah i i I really like the efficiency and the economy of the collectibles in this game and i i thought that things like the tonics to like uh give you different abilities or even just artistic touches if you're feeling fancy i i like yeah i would feel a lot of the tonics are a bit um disappointing i feel like they um some of them are too intense to the extent that they obscure the gameplay to such a degree that it's not really playable with that oh, tonic yeah. on. I mean, yeah, some of the re- like the more flashy ones, they're just like, yeah, like this is fun for a level, and and now I've mm. tried it out and it's done. It would be a real challenge to do something like play the entire game with this to- tonic or whatever. Like I, <laughs> like that that would be almost as hard as trying to do the impossible layer in one go, but. Like the really helpful ones, like attract quills to you. Um, oh yeah, you yeah. Know, or or increase Laylee's, uh f- f- hovering Jump, spin um, hovering. Yeah, hover, yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to call it. But that that all that all is is great, and I I like that you feel accomplished when you've got the extra tonic slot and. I like they. I liked how they were hidden on the overworld. Like it made exploring the overworld as much as much of a key component as exploring the stages themselves. And I yeah, think the definitely. overworld is what really puts Ukulele and Impossible Layer over the top for me as this successor to DKC three that I always wanted. Like I wish there was more bartering between characters. Like there, mm-hmm. there I wish there was more in the way of like the Brothers Bear elements in the overworld, but. It, it's 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 great. It's great. It, it's great that it is like the next evolution of DKC three or Super Mario World. I've always loved the overworld of Super Mario World, and mm. yeah, I mean, I both Tropical Freeze and Impossible Layer are on my top ten game list of all time, and I I don't know like how it's going to shake out in the future where you know one will sit versus the other i just know that we were very fortunate to have two amazing 2d platformers uh within five Mm -hmm. years of each other yeah and um you know both having strong connections to the donkey country games of your david wise being involved with both that's that's kind Mm. of fun and you know, I I think there's room in my heart for both, and I would hope yeah, yeah. that we don't let it divide our fandom, you know, tearing down. Well, this is the together. thing where people are like, "Do you like I don't know, Christina Aguilera or Britney? Which side are you on? You have to choose." It's like, why? Why can't I just like both? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera, timely reference. <laughs> I guess Britney Spears is a timelier <laughs> reference than she's been in a while. <laughs> yeah yeah she's in the headlines again certainly well, i don't know let's, let's move forward a decade and be like it's still 20 years ago but i don't know like team edward or team jacob <laughs> c- c- certainly more timely than the beatles or share so <laughs> oh yeah good point yeah. we're going through all the different decades of the 20th 21st century really aren't we <laughs> yeah yeah i i guess who would be the edward and who would be the jacob of tropical Freeze versus impossible layer <laughs> I suppose Tropical Free is more kind of shiny, I suppose. So think of the Edward. Possible Lair is kind of the the, the indie ones. So is more of the bad boy. So I guess it makes sense as more of the... I've never actually seen Twilight. This has been a File 2 production. Hey, Rico.